0: You're listening to What She Said, a podcast for bloggers and creatives hosted by me, Lucy Sharif, a freelance journalist living in London. Each week, I interview different women in blogging in the online world, getting their best blogging tips and advice, and a little bit of gossip too. Thanks for listening. welcome to the podcast. Um, do you want to get started by just letting us know a bit about your blog and how you, your blogging journey and how you came to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so I'm a fairly new blogger in the sense that I haven't been doing it for years and years and years. I started my blog in, I think it was the the very back end of 2014 um, and essentially i just changed jobs my new job was a little less creative than previous roles I'd had. Um, And I found that I was spending a lot of time reading blogs anyway. And it it just turned out to be the creative outlet that I needed um, after changing jobs. So I got started. It's very much, um, it's always been from the very beginning, a bit of a true lifestyle blog in that I blog about all sorts. So Mm -hmm. from travel to um, fashion to just general stuff that's going on in my life. I I think, you know, sticking to a niche is definitely not something that I've um, been brilliant at, but (laughs) I've just really enjoyed it from the moment I started. And I think it's, you know, it's grown into a little bit of a addiction. Um, It's it's a part-time hobby blog. I do it around my full-time job, but I absolutely love it. And I've learned so much and so many things that I never thought that I would learn from you know video editing to trying to learn how to code different things to just you know learning how to work with brands and reach out to people in a different way and and I've met some really great people as well which I think that's the best thing that's come out of it for me is it's given me a a real network of um, people that I would never have met in the industry that I work in day to day.
0: Would it be fair to say over the past yeah your blog has grown pretty exponentially
1: it definitely over the past i'd say six or seven months mm. I've definitely seen an increase in traffic and increase in engagement and a wider variety of people reading my blog I think for that first sort of eighteen month period i it was I, you know you can tell it was the same people reading it, the same people commenting, and I think it's definitely been exposed to a wider audience um, in the in the past couple of months, yeah.
0: So what's what's driven that growth? What's been your growth game changer? Do you think?
1: I, you know, I think I think the real thing for me is is not trying to do what everybody else was doing. I think when I started blogging, because i would read blogs for such a long time, I had a real picture in my head of what made a good blog post and the sort of topics that people were writing about. And you know, at that time, it was very much all like the BuzzFeed style lists and the you know the fast fashion outfits and all of that sort of stuff and I think when I broke away from that and really started to think about you know I suppose last summer there was a bit of a shift for me and I thought I'm spending a lot of time doing this and writing this blog and it's in my spare time it's not you know my profession and I wanted to make sure that if I was spending all that time on it and spending time away from you know my friends and my partner and stuff that it was something that I really loved and so I made a bit of a decision just to be a bit more aligned to what I enjoyed writing, probably started writing a lot more personal posts at that time, which I think have resonated with um, people in, in the sense that, you know, that starting to write in a way that was a little bit more heart on my sleeve, as opposed to this is how a blog post should be written, I yeah. think is probably been the biggest change for me.
0: You wrote a really, really good post recently, which I loved and shared um, about blogging rules uh, or blogging myths actually what was the title it was like blogging myths that you don't believe anymore it was so so yeah
1: oh thank you Um, thanks for sharing yeah
0: anytime (laughs) um but i think when i saw the comments as well there were a lot of people just being like oh hallelujah to this um so at the beginning it's funny that you say that your growth game changer was actually just probably realizing bollocks to the rules i'm just going to start writing for the joy of writing
1: Yeah, and I think actually with, you know, a lot of bloggers that I speak to and they say, oh, they started doing this eight or nine years ago. I think that was very much how a lot of those people started out. But because blogging was already quite an established thing by the time I, you know, I came to it, there was, there was almost like a blueprint and a template and every blog that you read had a bit of a similarity to it. And, you know, it, I think that almost shapes how you create your content. Whereas Just being able to stop and go, what are the things that I enjoy reading? What are the things that I, you know, I enjoy writing? And quite often some of the best posts that, you know, garnered the most traffic or been most typically successful for me have been the ones where I didn't necessarily start out knowing it was a blog post. It was more a bit of a rant to get it off my chest and processing things for myself. And then I've gone, oh, actually, I could I could make a blog post out of this.
0: I think people love those type of in fact I know people love those type of posts and um, the really cathartic ones where you're just because chances are if you're feeling like it then someone else is and it frees frees people up to either feel the same way or feel like they have permission to say the same thing or whatever
1: yeah and I think it, it's so nice when you can start a bit of a discussion with some of those things you know there's there's I think there's nothing more than when someone nothing better than when someone tweets me or sends me an email to say I read that post it really resonated with me it made me feel a little bit better knowing that someone else feels like that I think that's just the best thing in the world you know I I get a real buzz from that
0: yeah yeah it's great to know that you're connecting with people on a personal level so I'd probably say I don't know if this is correct but it's something that is going around at the moment micro bloggers I'm a micro blogger I guess you are too and we're the type of bloggers that um, probably rely on being super personal with people which you are on your Instagram as well
1: yeah I think for for me I think I, I try and keep all of my social media and my blog I suppose as true to how I am in real life and I think any of my friends or family would tell you I probably. A bit of an oversharer, I talk a bit too much. I I like having those sort of deeper, meaningful chats. You know, it's very much who I am as a person. So I think it it helps me stay. It helps me keep that social media more as a, a authentic extension of myself. Whereas I think if I was trying to hem myself into something specific, like to be, you know, a specific travel blogger or specific fashion blogger or whatever. You start to cut off some of those things that are really important to you and to your day to day life, and that then makes it a little bit more difficult to be authentic, I think because you're you're only showing a part of yourself
0: I think it also makes it really difficult to just actually create content um I'm, yeah because you
1: you're so hemmed in
0: exactly yeah, you box yourself into which you know is fine for some people, absolutely it's fine, but um the content that you put out is. Incredible! You're like a bloody powerhouse. I don't know how you do it. I have this, this is kind of my full time job, <laughs> and I can't bash out any more than. Oh could I barely get a blog post out a week, let alone the amount that you do. I
1: I think for me, it's it's probably because I use it a lot of the time as a bit of a switching off tool from my my full time job. So I think being able to sit on the bus home from work and tap something out on my phone or you know I find quite often in the morning is when I feel most inspired I'm very much a morning person so I love like getting up in the morning and writing a post and getting it scheduled and doing feeling like I've done something for me before I go to work and do you know eight hours for somebody else Um, and, and I think the other thing that helps me create more then I think I would otherwise is that I don't try and stick to any strict schedule. And I think a lot of people advise against it. And I've read lots of blog posts and courses and things that say, you know, you should have a very consistent schedule and you should be making sure you've got a, the right balance of, you know, lifestyle versus travel versus personal or whatever. I very much write what I feel like writing that day or that week. And I think that helps me stay a little bit more inspired because as soon as I feel like I've got, Oh, I've got to get these three posts done and then I can write about something I want to write. I just can't do it. So, and I think, I think that's the difference, I suppose, between it being more of a hobby for me versus, you know, I think if it was something that I was relying on to pay my bills and you have to write those posts that perhaps aren't the ones that you feel most inspired to write that day, it becomes a little bit more, more like a job than a, than a hobby, I suppose.
0: And actually, there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask you that you've just touched on. So, when I'm when me, you, and Ellie from A Wandering Quinn met for a drink, both you and her are part-time bloggers with uh-huh. a much uh, more productive output than I have. <laughs> but I I asked you both, would you ever want to become a full-time blogger? Because both of you are really successful. You have better traffic than some people who are chugging along doing it full-time. You both go on press trips. You both work with brands. You both get nominated for awards, etc., etc. But you both said... "You." I remember you both sort of looked at each other and you were like, no, not really. <laughs> I find that really interesting.
1: I I think for me, I, there's a lot of parts of, you know, being a full-time blogger and working for myself that appeal to me. And, you know, there's the obvious things like the flexibility and the being able to always do something that you love and but I think it's as soon as it becomes a job you almost lose a little bit of an element of that flexibility and I think for me you know what what does resonate with my audience and what does keep people reading is the fact that it is very you know personal and heart on sleeve and I think as soon as I had to apply any sort of real strategy to that in order to you know and put too much pressure on it I'd, I'd really lose that element of you know what my audience seem to enjoy and I think, you know, the, there's a lot, to, it's, I think it's absolutely incredible that people can make careers out of it and I find it so inspiring, you know, looking at, around at the industry and what people are doing, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. But I think for me, it, it has always been a bit of a, an outlet and I think as soon as it became something that, I don't know, that you, it, it, it's like everyone says there's no dream job because as soon as it's your job you you lose that element of it don't you and I think it's um you, you start to focus them more or and I, I, I think for me personally I would be starting to to focus more on what do I need to do what targets do I need to hit and putting more pressure on that numbers game which I don't feel the pressure to do at the moment which is nice and I think again it's it's something that allows me to create the content that I want to rather than what I feel obliged to I think I'd be very bad at comparing myself to everybody else if it was <laughs> something that I was doing full-time
0: yeah yeah that's a really good point actually so the other thing I wanted to ask you was actually in terms of practicality because I think there are a lot of people out there part-time bloggers who just they're like well how, how do you actually physically do it so you mentioned one thing that you do it on your phone do
1: you have yeah.
0: an app or do you just use your notes or?
1: Notes. So I have a Mac. So I, whenever I'm out and about, I'll, whenever I have an idea, I drop it in. Um, I've got a Google Doc on the go, which is just a list of random ideas, which that's probably one of my best tips, actually, because when I can't, when I'm feeling a bit uninspired and I can't think of anything, I know I've always got a little pot of ideas to go back to and there'll usually be something that sparks. A post even if it's not the original post that I'd had in mind just reading it back might trigger something so I always drop down any ideas when I'm out and about and I write a lot in my notes on my phone so I did it a lot while we were away um in New York the other week we'd be sat on the subway and we'd know we have like a 40-minute journey and I'd sit and I'd type it out on my notes and then as soon as I open my Mac it'll sync and I can you know copy and paste do a bit of an edit there and I think the other thing that helps me keep doing quite a lot is I don't put too much pressure on the other sides of things so the the actual the actual writing is the most important bit for me and I know so many bloggers who will spend a really long time getting the perfect photo and spending a really long time you know pushing it out on social media and creating and pinnable images and all of that other stuff and I will admit I'm crap at all of that extra stuff for me it's I've got a half decent image that I can put on there, usually taken on my iPhone. Um, I'll write the words while I'm out and about and on the go. And then, you know, if I share it twice on Twitter, I'm lucky. And then it's on to the next one. And I think it, that's probably something which, you know, in hindsight, and if I was giving my, if I was giving myself some feedback from, you know, if I was looking in from the outside, I'd say you should be pushing the content that you've written out more and you should be, Having a bit of a better, you know, strategy to market some of this stuff, but that's not the stuff that like gets me excited. The writing the content is the stuff that is. And, and again, I suppose that goes back to that point about if you were to do it full time, you have to put a little bit more balance into, into some of those other things. Whereas I don't have that, that pressure at the moment.
0: No, but it's, I think that's, you love content. You love content creation. You love writing. Um, and so you're just prioritizing that and I would say that even though you like you say you put a half decent image you are a good photographer so I think if you were the sort of person your half decent image is probably above is is above average so
1: that's very generous I think that's um some some good iPhone editing I think um you know and, and I have in the past thought you know when you look at things and you set yourself some goals, I thought, right, I'd like to get a little bit better at photography, or I'd like to, you know, produce less content and share it more. And and I think you you learn what what are the bits that you enjoy, and what are the what are the bits that aren't. And I think that it's always been quite, you know, a good thing for me is that the stuff that I love is just the writing. And that's what I want to keep doing.
0: I think it's I think that's important. Just prioritise what you love doing. Um, but having said that (laughs) imagine um how like you managed to get really decent traffic from not promoting your stuff at all and that's because your content is really good and content is king imagine what you could do if sharing it (laughs) imagine i reckon like if if you overhauled your site with just a few like with pinterest if you started focusing on that your blog would go wild but at the same having said that you don't really need any tips from me because you're doing well as Do you know as i well. am actually
1: trying with pinterest after reading your um blog post you and um faraway lucy um who's a travel blogger i read her guide and i read your blog post and i ha- that is one thing that i have actually been trying with with particularly my travel posts and it is already starting to to pay off so um that I think is, de- is definitely one where there's a bit of an untapped resource there I think with Pinterest so it's definitely something I'm dipping my toe into at the moment
0: glad to hear it <laughs> what other tips would you say have been the kind of light bulb moments for you
1: um so there's a couple of things I know at uh, it's going to feel like your um, podcast is sponsored by Monica's blogger course. But I've <laughs> another one who's also, I'm only halfway through it. I started it just before we um, got right up close to the wedding. And I've been on hold for a, little, a couple of weeks, I suppose. But that has been brilliant, actually, for just sparking some different ideas. So one of the things that um, Monica says to do is to, you know, she talks about, your niche being your audience rather than, you know, a specific niche of a student travel blogger or whatever. And so I had a little think about, you know, my audience being actually people who are in a similar position to me. So people who are, you know, career driven and ambitious, but also like a creative outlet and, um you know, very, you know, sociable and wanting to meet other people and things like that. And she says, once you've got that audience in mind and you're Perfect reader to just brainstorm a hundred blog posts that that person would want to read. And I did that the first week that I started the course. So I think it was like the end of May time and I'm still going on ideas that, you know, I came up with there that I would never have otherwise come up with. And I think that's a really good way of getting into the mindset of, okay, well, if my reader is me, what do I like reading on other people's blogs? What do I think there's missing? What else is there out there? Another thing that I did this week which sparked quite a lot of ideas was um and it's a really simple thing i couldn't believe i hadn't done it before but just going onto google analytics and searching what your most read posts have been year to date because i think you notice on a weekly basis when of that post seems to have resonated more than a different post but i think looking back over a chunk of time and seeing what themes there are there so again for me the the posts that had worked really well were those ones that were a little bit more personal where people had been able to you know resonate with it because they're the ones that people then go on to share on Twitter or on Facebook or and going back and doing that I think really helps you to confirm who your audience are and what sort of thing they enjoy because I think there's some things that you write for yourself and that's totally fine but understanding which are the things that are going to resonate with other people is really important as well
0: totally um going back to your 100 post idea um thing I don't know how what to call it yep. it's like strategy really isn't it that is amazing yeah. I've never thought about doing that but it's a brilliant idea what sort of things did you come up with that you you know you said uh you came up with ideas that you would never have thought of before what yeah. sort of things
1: it was just lots of different ways of looking at things I suppose so I think historically I would have said I don't know like gone to Paris for the weekend and come home and written a travel diary of my time in Paris and maybe like five great places to eat in Paris and that would have been all of my content whereas thinking about it through the eyes of a reader and saying right okay well if if it was someone you know if if my ideal reader was going to read a post about Paris what would you want to read and it might be how to have the perfect girls weekend away in Paris or how to plan a, you know, a trip to Paris with only one day's annual leave or, you know, some of those sorts of things where it's just giving you a different angle on stuff. And, and it also brought up some topics, which I still haven't actually written about, but the things that are definitely, you know, coming up in the next few weeks. So things like finances, you know, when I get together with my friends, we'll sit and they'll say like, Oh, how have you managed to save that? And, you know, how did you get your house deposit together or what is the cheapest place to go and you know do this so that you've then got extra money to go on nice holidays and so it just it gave me some different ideas like that i suppose that you know not all of them will come to fruition but they some of them blend together and create a different post and um it just i think the the thing that monica really advises with that is just get it down on paper and don't overthink it and that That is almost the freedom of it is that, you know, some of the ideas I'll never use and, you know, or they might be too similar to things I've already written about before or, but there's plenty there that either inspired a different post or made me think a little bit differently about how I produced some of my content from holidays and things like that.
0: That's a really, really good tip. I I mean, these are all basically, selfishly, great tips for me. (laughs) This whole podcast (laughs) is just a way for me to (laughs) grow my own blog. (laughs) Love it. Um, I was going to ask you a little bit about social media. Um, Because in your blogging myth post, you said, you even shared your exact figures, which I thought was really cool. A lot of people don't do that. They won't say. And you shared the amount of traffic you get a month which I can't remember what it was, but it's it's a good amount of traffic and um, how your social doesn't necessarily re- reflect that traffic. And I thought that was really interesting because sometimes when you're working with brands or whatever, or you, maybe even before you started working with brands, people have a bit of an idea in their head that, oh, I need this number, or I need to have, I need to get to a certain number, like 10K Instagram followers yeah. or Facebook followers, whatever. Um, but you pointed out that actually um, your social doesn't necessarily reflect that Um, and mine's mine's similar to yours actually but your engagement is really high how do you encourage that engagement?
1: I think again it's that it's back to that authenticity piece I think so rather than trying to peddle a lifestyle you know I think with social media, you can quite easily put out a picture that everything's rosy, and you've got this really glamorous job, and you you know you're out for dinner every night, and that the weekends you're always flying off on another trip, and it would be quite easy to sit and curate that sort of you know picture. But I think putting putting content out there that's authentic and that feels and I, I mean that that sometimes sounds a bit cliched, doesn't it? Like oh, very authentic, but being just true to yourself. People, you then want to engage with the people who are commenting and sharing things because, you know, if you're saying, right, do you know what, I've had a shit day at work and come home to sit on a couch and have a glass of wine and eat a load of carbs and someone else is like, oh, me too. You've, you automatically start a bit of a relationship there with, with those, you know, followers and the people who are taking the time out to comment. And I think mm-hmm. the other thing is that the more, you know, we're all we're all very similar so the more authentic and genuine you are the more likely people are to resonate with that and share it so some of the things that you know I've been shared most when I've put them on Twitter and stuff are like when I've said you know I be an adult being an adult's crap I just want to like lie on the sofa (laughs) and have someone clean up after me everyone's like yeah me too like so you, we could spend a load of time putting out this real picture of, oh, you know, my life is so lovely and my house always looks pristine and, but no one's really like that. So, you know, sharing how you actually are, I think helps people to, I didn't, helps people to just get to the real you and empathize with you a little bit, which I think then naturally helps to build a bit of a brand. And I think the other thing as well, the, again another tip that I picked up in Monica's course is that people want to see the person behind the account and for ages and ages and ages particularly on Instagram I was rubbish at sharing any photos of myself because I'd be like oh you know like a selfie or whatever isn't it's not glossy enough for Instagram and everyone has these perfect pictures that they you know these perfect snaps and since I've started I think you know over the past couple of months sharing a few more photos of when I've been away and on travels and things that almost weirdly has boosted engagement and I think it people resonate with it a bit more when they can see the person behind the account I think And, and it's definitely true of the accounts that I follow the people who otherwise I think sometimes if you're just seeing lots of pictures you don't can get confused as to which account they're coming from. Whereas when you can put a face to a name, you you really start to engage.
0: Um, it really probably will surprise everybody if they know you, that you were a bit reticent to share pictures of yourself because you are absolutely beautiful. And um, I think you you've hit the nail on the head there. People just really want to see a person.
1: Yeah, I, thank you for your lovely comment. That's very generous. Um, but yeah, I think it's almost um it's always easier to take a picture of something isn't it than to to be the person that you've had and I think that again is a bit of a control thing when you're taking a picture of something you're in control of the one taking it whereas when someone's taking a picture of you you're like oh that's maybe not the angle I would have taken it at or whatever but I think it does um and and I think you know we mentioned Ellie from the Wandering Queen before I think that's something that she does brilliantly whenever she's off, off on her travels she's got a selfie stick with her she's getting a picture in all of these amazing places and it makes you think i want to go there it's so much like it looks like such good fun and looks like she's having a great time and you can totally see why it does work because you really buy it you, you feel like you're on that trip with that person then rather than just you know flicking through a magazine and looking at the picture or seeing the picture on pinterest or whatever
0: that's true and um, So another thing that I wanted to ask you, because you're a bit unique in this sense, well you're not unique in this sense, there's a few of you, but I know it's a question that comes up a lot for bloggers, is what happens if I don't live in London? Well, you don't live in London.
1: <laughs> no, no, and I think that it was something that put me off starting a blog for such a long time, because pretty much every blog that I read before starting my blog was based in London. There was one um, blog in Leeds it was um, Amy Liz um, written by um, Amy which I, I loved and it was she did brilliant foodie recommendations in Leeds but everything else was pretty much you know based out of London I thought god if I start a blog and you know I get cracking and I'm enjoying it am I ever going to get a chance to meet any of the bloggers and is it you know going to be a bit of a wasted effort and I couldn't have been more wrong because you know Leeds has got just the most fantastic blogging community there's so many people here and so many people writing about totally different things so you know real foodie blogs to travel blogs to you know big humongous fashion and beauty blogs there's a bit of everything and there's a real community around it and I've actually met you know some of the girls who I would you know say some of my closest friends now are people who have met through blogging and you know we get to finish work and go and have a nice drink together and bounce ideas off each other. And I think, and and I, I don't think Leeds is unique in that sense. I think that most major cities in the UK now have a really thriving blogging community. And the whole beauty of it is that even if they don't, you're online and you're, you know, you can still form, there's loads of bloggers who are in London who I've still managed to form really good relationships with who I've never met before. You know, Sam Sparrow, I'd never met her. We'd spoken to each other loads on Twitter and um, we went on holiday together with oh, Beverly yeah, from Packed Passport. So we literally met Sam at the airport in Amsterdam but because we'd already formed those relationships online it felt like, you know, we already knew each other and we had a really lovely bond. And so,
0: So meeting people online, uh, making communities online and networking. So some of the other people who we've had on the show in fact everybody has said that networking is probably one of the most important steps to growing your blog and obviously you've got a really good community in leads who you meet Mm -hmm. in real life as well as online um how how did that all happen
1: no so the the first time I actually met anyone was at an event that they they don't run unfortunately anymore but it was called um it's called the city girls and it was a blogging event put on by other bloggers and they had some brands involved and it was just a sort I think it was like 30 bloggers from Leeds and it was a bit of a network event there was, you know a little area to have drinks and a chat and that was the first event that I ever went to and I met B, who I'd been chatting to online and on Twitter previously because I was so nervous about going and mm. you know I'd never done anything like that where I'd gone in and not knowing anyone Um but I had such a great day and I met a couple of people there and then it naturally just starts to build the more people that you meet the more you know people will say oh you'd really get on with that person and and also some of it was just sort of around saying you know we've been chatting on Twitter do you want to go for some brunch or do you want to grab a coffee or um that was how I met Beverly when she um decided to move up to Leeds she was like I don't really know anyone up in Leeds you know can we then um, if anyone wants to go and get a coffee or whatever or go for a drink, let me know. And we went out for brunch, really hit it off. There are a couple of other girls in need that we both really get on with. And we just, you know, started to sort of do little dinner dates all together. And um, we always do a book swap. That's a really nice one. And a, a good way for um, getting chatting to people is everyone brings a couple of books and we'll swap them and give recommendations. And little things like that have just helped to build. And I think actually by default that networking does help to grow your blog because not only are you chatting in real life with these people that you're forming relationships with who then naturally will share your work because they're friends and they're you know supportive of you but a lot of the people who I've met that way actually work for some of the brands that I've ended up working with you know and have said or work for agencies that are working with brands and can put me forward because they know me personally and they know that I'll you know Deliver on time and I'll be responsible and respectful and all of that sort of thing. So it, it definitely does work. And I think you, you do just have to put yourself out there a little bit when you first get, you're getting started. Cause I know that when I think back to those first few blogging events I went to, I remember feeling so nervous and so awkward and like I was going to have to leave after 10 minutes and go home because no one talked to me. And, but it's absolutely not the case. You've already got something in common with all of these people by the fact that you know you're all just spending all your spare time blogging so you've already got something to talk about and then you naturally find out that you've got lots of other things to talk about too
0: so where can everyone find you online
1: so i i'm sophie cliff on pretty much everything i think so sophiecliff.com is my blog um, and then instagram twitter facebook and all all sophie cliff as well Thanks for listening to What She Said. And if you like this episode, or any of the other
0: episodes, please think about giving me a lovely rating on iTunes. I really appreciate it. If you want to connect with me, head over to my blog, wanderloose.com, or hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, where I'm at blog.